Trigger warning, the Resilience Project provides an open space for people to share their personal experiences. Some content in this podcast may include topics that you may find difficult. The listener's discretion is advised. Hello, friends. Welcome to Radical Resilience, a weekly show where I, Blair Kaplan Venables, have inspirational conversations with people who have survived life's most challenging times. We all have the ability to be resilient and bounce forward from a difficult experience. And these conversations prove just that. Get ready to dive into these life-changing moments while strengthening your resilience muscle and getting raw and real. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Resilience. It's me, Blair Kaplan Venables, and I'm here today to talk to a new friend of mine. We met this fall in Ontario, and we just took a couple of minutes to figure out that's how we knew each other. But I love playing that <laughs> game of like, how do we know each other? But I want to introduce you to Jennifer Trask. She's an award-winning coach, and she spent over the last decade helping driven coaches build powerful mindsets that enable them to take action Built on incredible courage, confidence, and clarity. Combined with strategic business direction, Jennifer's clients experience massive shifts and growths in their business. So she's also spoken around the world. She's been featured in tons of media like Huffington Post, Saltwire, Coach Magazine, Upwork, Digital Nomad. She's uh, also an NLP practitioner. She's done a lot of stuff. She's located in Ontario, Canada. But today we're not here to talk about business. We're here to talk about family. We're here to talk about the unfortunate thing we have in common. And mm. that is, yeah, she she lost her dad and she learned her dad was sick and her dad died 11 days after the diagnosis. And so I want to introduce to you Jennifer. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh my it's gosh. Nice so we're part of the Dead Dad Club. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It, I don't recommend it, but no. I guess it, it happens to most of us. So yeah, there you oh go. Oh my gosh. Like, so why don't you tell us your story? Walk us, walk us through your journey. Well, yeah. In terms of my dad. So I, I won the parent lottery. Um, I have two amazing parents and dad was actually his trade was an accountant, but he became an entrepreneur sort of, I, I don't know when, when I was growing up at some age. And, uh, and so, you know, like when I was growing up, I remember there were like, uh, Brian Tracy and Tony Robbins, like CD, um, not CDs, not CDs, tape cassette programs like in the household okay and and so um so I didn't realize it then but of course that sort of we dad always had a if if you if you work hard and believe in something you can make it happen kind of attitude and he instilled that into us four kids um and so I, I was very lucky in that regard. And dad, as he got older, became um, a very successful entrepreneur, a very successful philanthropist. He's raised tens of millions of dollars for the province um, and was very well known. And he was also my biggest cheerleader. And as any entrepreneur knows, starting a business is not easy. And for me, I was young. I was 27. I just come out of MBA school and I was all, you know, full of 
everything and excited. And, um, and then I just kept losing like, like in business, like it was just like nothing worked. And so I, I remember I'd started my first business in debt. I got into more debt. Um, and I was living in my parents' basement. So I was a classic, went back to live with them at 27 and, um, and then, and I remember one day, this one particular day, I was sitting in dad's office in his chair. And I think it was about a year and a half into my first business or like close to that two year mark where, and I just start to ball because I was like, nothing is working. This is so hard. And da, 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 da. and I remember he said to me, Jennifer, he said, like, and I was kind of like, I need to move out. I can't afford to move out. And you know, this kind of stuff. Um, because all my friends at that point in time were, you know, moving in their careers, they were getting engaged, they were buying houses. And meanwhile, I was like getting in more debt and single and in my parents' basement. Like, <laughs> it's like this is not fun. <laughs> Anyways, and he said to me, um, you know, what you're doing isn't easy. And you don't worry about anything. You can stay as long as you need. Um, because he understood the entrepreneurial journey is not uh, a straight road. And um, and so I just remember, it was funny because it was a dichotomy of feeling like relief, but also I also was get it cl closing in on 30 and wanting to be independent and not being able to. So it was like, you know, grateful to have this place to stay, um, and support, but equally like frustrated with myself that I had to have that. Um, but anyways, and then eventually things worked out and, and um, I remember, uh, in the first couple of years that business actually started going well, I, I didn't leave my parents' house. I actually started doing some traveling as a digital nomad. And, um, and then in 2013, I got a call and I knew what was going to happen. Like I just, my, I just knew, I knew this was not a good phone call. And it was that of course dad had cancer. Um, and, I go home and I just asked him, my single self asked him like, you know, well, are you going to walk me down the aisle one day? And he was like, yep. And I was like, okay, so ready for it. And we had even, you know, through my work as a coach, I've, I've met many people who've healed themselves through cancer and with in various ways. And so we got in touch with one of those people and started some protocols and this and that. But what we didn't realize was actually that the cancer had progressed so much and was in so many places, like nothing was going to help. Um, and, and so it was from that day, 11 days later, um, and then he passed and it, was, I remember actually, I was talking about this the other day with someone, I can't even remember why we were talking about it. Um, but I, oh, I know why, because it was a friend who I was talking with a friend who's going through a breakup and she's like sad all the time. And I said to her, I'm like, you know, there's going to come a point where you're just tired of being sad. And I said, that even happened to me when dad was in the hospital. And I, remember feeling, cause like I'm a very happy, optimistic person and being sad, like 
you know, you have sad moments, but this, this kind of sadness was like overwhelming, like to lose this person who is the person who believes in you the most. Like I could just, it just like, it's, it's very, it's very sad. But I remember thinking, I just can't be sad anymore. I don't know what to do. Like it was very, um, and I had this moment where I went over to my girlfriend's house for dinner. Uh, it, like, so dad was still in the hospital at this point in time. Um, and I was saying to her and her husband this, and I said, you know, I really think that no matter how I feel any given day. So whether I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm elated. I'm like the emotional state that I'm currently in does not change how I feel about my father. It it doesn't change that he was extraordinary and that I love him. And obviously I would prefer him to live until he's like a hundred and die in his sleep health, healthfully. But, and so I, I kind of gave myself permission to try and find some sources of joy or happiness in those moments. And just like, and I was glad that I did that because it made his last few days a little bit better. And I think, you know, we just tried to be cheerful around him and, uh, you know, like support him and see him through till, you know, kind of that last moment. And, and then that's what happened. Wow. Thank you mm. so much for sharing that. 11 days is not, not long. I mean, losing, no, like no. knowing you're going to lose a parent, like, Hey, like I've, I've said this before, like, hi everyone, your parents are going to die. It's going to suck. But like learning your parent is sick and then them dying so close to just learning it it's like whiplash getting hit by a car like trying to catch your breath you're drowning and you're floating and like you don't know what to do and it's like you don't have time to process did you yeah. know at when he was diagnosed that it was terminal like at what point in those 11 days did you guys realize that it was terminal I think after the first couple of days because what happened was he just the decline was so fast in his physical abilities that yeah, it, it was only a few days. And then when he was in hospital, I think I didn't want to believe it. Um, but then I remember I was riding in the elevator with my aunt and she had said to me, but he is going to die. And that was the first time I was like, I, I, yeah, yeah. Like it was like, uh, this is, this is not, this is not, I don't want to sign up for this ride, it's, <laughs> but it, I had yeah. to accept because it, it was not my ride. It was his Yeah, and it was, and it was happening whether I liked it or not. So, you know, like. It's interesting because I had with my parents two different experiences. Yes, they're both gone. But my dad, we learned he was terminally ill and he was given a year and a half to two years left. And he like lasted, I think, four. Like he lived with addiction, COPD, lung cancer. Like he had nine lives where our mom was our primary caregiver. It was just me, my mom and sister. Like my dad was in and out of our life and I was close with him. But 
he wasn't really more, he wasn't a parent. He was more like right. a friend. And um, right. my mom was the parent and my mom learned she had cancer. She wasn't feeling good and was pushing for tests. And she learned she had cancer and three weeks later passed away. But in between that, she was supposed to go for a biopsy and like woke up and like couldn't breathe. And they basically, she had tumors pressing on things and she lost her voice and she was in the hospital for a week and they should have never, never let her out. They did let her out, thank God, because I got to spend time with her, but she ended up back in the hospital and a different doctor called me and was just like, this, we didn't think that she was terminal. Like she was waiting for a biopsy. They're like, your mom's young and healthy. She's going to be fine. And they, um, the doctor called, he's like, so your mother's liver is one big tumor. There's tumors everywhere. We're going to do what we can to make her comfortable. She has two weeks left to live. And she died like a few days later. And it was just so bananas because it went from like, oh, like minor discomfort to like, like she died. And I remember like, like I was only in the hospital for a few days with her because we were told two weeks and it was not. But my mom looked at me and she was like, I can't fight this. I'm in a lot of pain. And I said, then let go, like do what you need to do, you know? But like, there's nothing to prepare you. Cause I had one parent who like, every time I saw him who lived in a different city than me, I would say goodbye as if it was my last time. And I made sure I made these memories with my dad, like going to a Jets game and all these things I never got to do. I packed it in where my mom who has been around forever in my life who didn't live in the same city, all of a sudden got sick and died. And like, I just didn't have enough time with her. Yeah. And yes. There's no way that's easy, but they're very different experiences. And like the sudden loss of a parent that you're very close with, like my mom was like your dad, my biggest cheerleader, number one fan. And it's like this loss of a part of your heart. It's like a part of your heart falls away. Yep. Yep. And you, you have to, you have to learn like, you you do come back to yourself and feel joy and happiness again. And, but it, when you lose, like you've lost them. So there's there, you don't replace them. There's no replacing that person. You just learn how to live without them or live with them in a different form or whatever your belief system mm-hmm. is. Um, And just be grateful for the time that you had. Really? Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I, I'm someone like I call myself like a woo woo Jew, like I'm Jewish and wooish. <laughs> I like I'm very <laughs> yeah, hilarious. like I'm spiritual. Like I believe in God or a higher power of sorts. Yeah. And like I meditate and journal and pull cards. But ever since my mom died, she comes to me a yeah. lot in my dreams, a lot. And the more I, I notice that's it, and I wake cool. up and I journal about it, it happens more and more. My dad's come a few times, and it's been really cool. Like my dad came to me, and it, the dream was like I, I was trying to make a call to my husband, and I the lot the lines got crossed, and it was my dad. I'm like, Dad, I'm trying to call Shane. I was like, Wait, Dad, how's it going where you are? And he's like, It's good. I love it up here. I'm good. And I was so like, amazing. Okay, like so like stuff like that keeps happening to me. And so for me, it's obviously I would rather my parents be alive, but I feel like they're around me. And when they show up in my dreams, like I, I, I believe like it is them, you know, when I get a scent, a random scent blows by of lilacs and like, it's the middle of winter, my windows are closed or, you know, something happens, like I'll be in rooms and like my, my, the, the 
uh, flickering light of the scale will start. And it's, I think it's my mom or like candles that yeah. won't turn on the battery's dead. I broke them all of a sudden turn on and off. That happens all the time. And so yeah. um, they, I believe my parents are still with me, but just in a different, different, I guess, dimension. Well, and well, I love, yeah. I love that. A hundred percent. Yes. Like it's totally them. You, you, you know that it is. And it's interesting because six months after dad had passed, I went on my first digital nomad trip and I had already had it planned, um, before he ever got sick. So, um, I just, mom wanted me to keep it and go. Cause I was like, I wanted to stay with her, but it was, and I needed to go. I needed to, I need it to mourn because you like it even after six months, it still hadn't, I hadn't really fully processed it yet anyway. So I was down in Ecuador and I remember I went for this really long walk and I was in this town on the outskirts of the Amazon and, um, or is it the Amazon down there? No. Yes. Yes, it is the Amazon. Okay, I think so. Yes. Anyways, the rainforest. And I was in this town. I remember walking on this dirt road and it all of a sudden hit me like, and I just started to like break down crying. Like the, and it, and it felt, it was one of those, you know, those cries where it's just, it's so releasing and you need to do them, especially after like, something like losing someone. Like it's primal. It's almost like a primal cry. Yes. And I remember, I can still picture it in my mind. There was this little quaint house next to me and it had a little picket fence and there was a tree. And this tree, all of a sudden, so in the midst of this primal cry this swarm of yellow butterflies whoops, came around me and I had this instant feeling of calmness and I knew it was dad. And what's interesting is um, the last picture dad and I ever took together was from father's day. And that day I happened to cook brunch for everybody. And I remember because I had made this like um, uh, egg dish that you put in the oven and I had put the words dad in cherry tomatoes on it. So like, <laughs> you know, and I, Huge. And, yeah. Anyway, so on that day, he, um, he had worn this yellow, uh, tennis type shirt I guess like a golf shirt a golf shirt and um dad was very tan and so this shirt looks really lovely on him and I said to him this is this is my favorite shirt of your shirts because it's bright and sunshiny like you are and it looks good on you too like the color looks good but it's very representative of your of your personality and so we have a picture I'm in a pink top and he's in, in the yellow one and 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 then, and I have kind of this thing with butterflies that's too long of a story for another day, but I, they, they come to me and anyways. And so when these yellow butterflies came out of this tree that I randomly stopped by, I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's so special. You know what? It's interesting that you said that about yellow butterflies, 
This summer, mm -hmm. I had two yellow butterflies that would follow me around. Like we have just under a quarter mm -hmm. acre where we are. And I'd be in my living room and they'd be in the window outside the living room or I'd be in my backyard. They'd be circling me. And I was, I'd be like, hey, mom and dad. <laughs> love it. That's I right. Love, yeah. So, I mean, like the loss of a parent is absolutely terrible and earth shattering. How did you, how did you heal? So one of the benefits of having a platform is you can use it for good. And so I actually did a lot of content around the, the death of dad. And like, for example, I did this blog post and unfortunately this blog is currently down. It's coming back, but it's currently down. <laughs> um, like I did this big blog post about 10 lessons that I had learned from him. And I, and I actually, that blog post was in a letter I had wrote to him while he was in the hospital because another friend of mine who lost her parent had suggested it to me. So it was a letter I only half wrote. My sister had to finish the other half. Um, we read to him in the hospital and I remember, um, he was at a point where he couldn't really talk very well. So he couldn't even, I knew he wanted to say things, but he, he physically couldn't. Um, but I had wrote that and then I decided to make it a blog post and it was very popular and got shared a lot. And, and people really commented on it, like that it, it really, it touched them because it was about some really important, like life lessons and some business lessons that I learned from dad. Um, and then I had done some content around like how I was coping and, and it, it felt like, um, in sharing the loss, uh, you know, it, it made other people it helped other people and that was helpful. Um, and the other thing too, is I did find working helped, like having a purpose and having something to go to. Like I wasn't sitting around just being sad all day. I actually had to focus and help my clients. And that was very, very helpful. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, it's not like I ignored my notion. I mean, I've, I still cry over dad sometimes it's been 10 years it'll be 10 years in August. And I still have a random day about once or twice a year where I'll just be like, Oh, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. So those things helped and, you know, journaling and also my, my belief system in, in like, I can feel dad around me a lot. Um, that's very helpful because I don't even like, obviously I'd physically rather have him here, but sometimes it's kind of fun in, in the conversations I can have in my mind or just the feelings that I get. And, and the signs like dad shows up in different ways for me as well. Like your parents do. And, and I like, know it's him. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Cause this didn't happen when you were alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's beautiful. And like what you just said about having a, you know, a couple times a year, you have those days. Like, I, I think that's completely yep. normal because with grief, the, in the beginning, grief consumes you, but then eventually as time goes on, you learn to layer your new version of life around the grief and you're able to coexist yes. with the grief. And eventually you don't think about it a hundred hours a day. <laughs> and, you know, you're eventually yeah. you're like able to function <laughs> and like 
I, because I had my my dad died last February, so it's almost a year. My mom died the February before. Mm. So like now, wow. according to research that I've done on myself with dead parents, like it takes me like I, I feel finally feel normal. Like it took till December to feel normal. Yeah. So 10 months for me on both years, um, you know, that's what it took for me to start to feel like myself again. And everyone has their own yeah. timeline. Like some people might need longer. Some people need shorter, whatever. But I I eventually, I promise you, eventually you will start to be able to function again. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it'll you come will. back. You just like, honestly, the people when my mom died, which was so out of nowhere. Um, and like right before my mom died, my father-in-law died. Like we lost three parents in a year. And like, right before that we had oh, a miscarriage. A so we lost a baby and then my father-in-law, then my mom, then my dad and just over a year. And when my mom died, which was like pulling the rug out from beneath my feet, I talked to a couple of friends of mine who lost a parent and yeah. the common advice, which I'm, you know, was, which I want to share and which you probably know is like, like the, the only thing that really helps is time. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. You need time. And sometimes, you know, for months, you might just lie on the couch and stare at Netflix or you order, yeah. you know, a cookie dough blizzard every day and gain 20 pounds like me. Like I ordered a cookie dough blizzard every day for like a year. Like it was just like my coping mechanism. Cause I don't drink. So I ate ice cream and cookies. Right. <laughs> yeah. It will eat like, something. Yeah. We're Jewish. Right. So when, when my mom died, it was the height of COVID. And so we normally would have Shiva. So people coming and people would send meals. Yes. So people were sending right. meals to me, my mom, sorry, not my mom. Well, my mom was there technically in spirit, but me and my <laughs> sister and my uncle and my aunt and my cousins, six of us, people were sending mm-hmm. us food for 50 people, but six of us. And my con- I was convinced a Jewish hug is a bagel and I turned into a bagel, but like right. food was my comfort. And you know what? I did what I needed to do to survive. And now that I'm feeling okay, yep. I'm getting out of that. Like I'm getting yes. my health back on track and- Wow. Like it's so interesting because we're just new friends. You know, we met at a summer camp Mm -hmm. and you know what? We might not even recognize each other because it was so cold that we were bundled up in toques and sweaters and jackets. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, this is such a treat. I really like, I really enjoy talking to you and like, thank you for being so open about, you know, your, your journey with losing your dad and losing your dad so fast and what it's been like for you. I think to wrap this up, like, why don't you share a piece of advice for someone who maybe you can either, you know, t- along the lines of what happened to you, like learn their dad was learned a parent was sick and they die right away, or they just found out their parent was sick and terminal. What advice do you have? Well, let me throw it back to something that's a, 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 on the sidelines of this, which is when I when I had to go back and move into my parents' house, I was not happy about it because I was 27 and I wanted to be like my friends and have an apartment or this or that. And I ended up staying there for many years. Um, And today, hindsight, of course, 2020, um, today, and for many years I have felt this, I was so grateful that business did not just work out because I got five years with my parents as adults living with them. Like we, I had time with them that I never would have had if I didn't live with them. And so I think I focus the, the thing is, is when a parent is dying first, try 
to make the most of the time you have left if you get any time at all. And so that's why also like I decided like, you know, I wanted to show up in dad's hospital room and be as happy as possible for him. And just like in, enjoy, even if, even when he couldn't talk to just be a, a happy present presence for him. Um, and then the other thing I have to tell you this, I don't know if you've experienced this. Oh, I don't know. Cause he died in, during COVID, but you know, Something that has really helped me. The first thing was I'd never been a big fan of like funerals and all this stuff. But after dad's funeral, it really changed my perspective because the amount of people who came and showed up to pay their respects and speak well of him, like it just made me feel so much better. Um, And so I will, I, I'm happy to go to funerals for people because, and, and no matter how little I might know that person, I want to share whatever light like that person. So I feel like that's part of it too. That was part of my learning from dad. I feel like there's so much, um, you have to really focus on the, the gratitude that you got to have parents for this long. Some people lose their parents when they're kids, right? Like some people don't get good parents. Some people, some people like there's just, so I really try to focus on like, first of all, I had an amazing parent. Uh, second of all, I got, uh, how old am I? 41. Okay. So I got like 30 something years with 31 years, right? 31 years with them. And obviously I would have liked longer, but it's, it's certainly longer than a lot of people get. And it was more than enough time for him to instill in me what he wanted and for me to carry that. And I have wonderful memories and you know so I think you you got to focus on that and then surround yourself with your friends like isolation is not good like yeah, like dying in COVID sucks <laughs> yeah yeah like that sucks a lot a lot yeah. a lot a lot so like yeah. go do normal things and try to do things that bring you joy and because you know you have to mourn but like your your parents want you to be happy they they want you to keep living um and so you know do things that make you feel good even if it's hard to do them because you you know you will go out for that walk or go out for a coffee with a friend or go to a games night or like learn and i don't know do something because there yes there's times like you you're going to watch netflix you're going to do whatever but um, yeah, like it, do something for yourself. I think that's, that's helpful. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally helpful and, and really great advice. But also yeah. if you don't want to do something, cancel your plans. You don't have to do anything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. You don't have to see yeah. people. You don't, you know, like, I don't know. I think like the biggest, the biggest thing you just said is like, you know, really think about the time you had with them. Yeah. And like 31's young. Like I was 35 when I lost my mom. And like, I think any age, it's going to be hard. Like, you know, I have, I have like my, my grandma's still alive. Like my aunts, my dad's mom is still alive. Like my, my grandma, my Babalea buried her son. Right. Very bananas. But like, we still have her. But I mean, like you, these are the paths that people are on. And these Mm -hmm. are the cards we're dealt. And it's nothing Mm -hmm. that we did. We did not deserve nope. this. There's nothing we did to make this happen. Um, we are here living this experience 
and we need, we experience what comes into our life and then we move forward and it's okay if you move forward very slowly and, you know, we're all on our own timeline and our own path. And I really want to say, Jennifer, I appreciate you sharing such a vulnerable story and also having a bit of humor with it because like, that's kind of how I am. Like, I mean, there's a lot of humor with like, yeah, I don't even need to go into the stories. My sister and I sometimes podcast on this together. We do a griefy gals segment and like, we have some dark humor, but like, there's only, that's the only way we really got through it. Like some of the stuff that happened was so ridiculous. Like even yeah. like, you know, we were at my, my dad's unveiling and we took a photo with our mom's headstone. We're like, family photo. <laughs> Like, well, oh what else God. can you do? Like, <laughs> like that, that's just our life. Like, we're, we're going to still visit mom and take a photo. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. and, yeah. and it's interesting because like, but, but your parents, like they want you to be happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I do personally believe like, I know dad's body died, but I don't believe that he died. And that's why I can feel him and hear mm-hmm. him. And, and, and so like, it, it makes it less sad. Because yeah. he's not yeah. really gone. He's just like morphed into, like he's just yeah. present in a different way. I think that's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome on this conversation. Thank you for me. Yeah, if you guys want to get to know Jennifer more, her bio and some social links and her website link are in the show notes. Jennifer, you're such a treat. I can't wait to get to know you more without our parkas and toques. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. that was that's a whole story for another time. But um, thank you to everyone who just tuned in for another episode of Radical Resilience. We are reaching our one year mark. We've been doing this for a full year. January 17th is our anniversary. Um, and it's coming up. It's coming up next week. So um Thank you for everyone for their support. It is okay to not be okay. Life is hard. Let us be the lighthouse in the storm. Let us be, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. We are here for you. You are resilient. That's a wrap for another episode of Radical Resilience. Do you feel inspired by this episode? You can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player and connect with us to join the conversation at IamResilient.info. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. And you, my friend, are resilient. Radical Resilience is a podcast created by The Resilience Project.